Well, good evening, brothers and sisters. It's an honor to be here tonight, isn't it? Good to be with you. I, I'm going to read a text of scripture from tonight from the book of 2 Kings. And um, it's, it's a good bit of reading, and I'll, so I'll try to jump, in the interest of time, I'll try to jump right into this and share my, do my best to share my heart with you. I've been reading this uh, last, I guess a week or two ago, I was reading this text, and it seemed like um, uh, it stood out to me, it really did, and, and it impressed me. This is, um, we, we, sometimes we have to, we, we have a hard time in actual experience relating to the experiences that people had in this day and time, you know, in these, you know, hundreds of years before Christ, because the world is a lot different then. But there's so much of it that's the same. It's just unbelievable how relevant it is that a story from so long ago has such meaning and human nature doesn't change. And so here we are, we find ourselves tonight in this text, and I believe that. And um, may, uh, well, I'm going to present this to you all more or less as a question. Let me sum up a little bit of chapter 6. The king of Assyria, has Ben-Hadad, has came and besieged Samaria. And y'all know how it was when, you know, and you had to, they, they built walls around cities because if you didn't, there, would, there were just, you know, roving bands of anybody could come along and take what you had. So a city became a place to store provisions and, and create economy and live life. They had to have some measure of safety. Now, we don't have walls around our cities now because we, well, I mean, we essentially have a, uh, walls of two oceans on the side and we have, a, a, you know, international military. There's a, there's a whole, that, that doesn't, it exists, just not as quite as physical. But, but, what had happened was they would build the walls around the city and that would and at the time there was not technology sufficient to to uh, surmount that defense it was superior the defense was supreme because the archers could stand on the wall and shoot down and they had no equipment really to do anything about the walls so they didn't there was there was very little point of attack that you could do and so what happened the invading armies had devised systems well if we can't get them like we can't penetrate the walls so then they would wall the, the walls and essentially take the army and a siege is i mean they have naval blockades today it's similar that they would create a barrier around the walls of the city and a safe distance away but close enough to where you couldn't go outside for anything meaningful and shut them off from the, the fields were outside the city and the crops and, and, and all trade in and out of the city was shut off. And so what the point, the, the point of this was to starve them out. Okay, well, we can't, we can't beat them, so they would create a siege. Now, the challenge for the invading army is that a siege was very expensive and took a long time. There was stores of provisions in the city. They didn't know exactly how much. They just knew. So the, the army had to be willing to commit to supply its own army, the king, the invading king, and do it for a long enough period of time for it to work. And if they quit, this happened when Babylonians invaded. You know, they went several times. They would go and come and go and... And, and they didn't... 
they also had to do without their army for a couple of years because this could take a while. But it was very effective. And it was absolutely almost, it's just one of the difficult passages of Scripture because this, the circumstances that unfold inside the city were just ghastly. It was awful. And, and this was a terrible way to wage war. I mean, war is terrible under any circumstance. But this was not like bombs falling and destruction. This was slow starvation. And they were, and the people begin, you know, you, 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 you'd be surprised what you do when you get hungry enough. Families and people who are, you know, in, of a familiar, they start fighting. And, 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 and it's the survival of the fittest, right? And you, you're reduced to your most basic instinct. And what had happened in Samaria after this long period of time is that cannibalism had broken out. And you think, how could the people, you know, how could a people under a, how could that you do that, right? And, but, but again, you, you'll be surprised what you could do. And, and the people in Samaria and had gotten to that point. And the king found out about it. And this is what it says. Came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and passed by upon the wall. And the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. And he said, God do so and more also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. So he's, he's uh, essentially going to um, blame Elisha, the man of God, because he feels like this is, you know... He, this has got to be from God and, and he might be the only one that can solve this and he, he's not doing it. So, Elisha sat in his house and the elders with him and the king sent a man from before him and ere the messenger came, he said to the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head? Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him and said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? And then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. And then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. <clears throat> and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. If we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. They arose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. The Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. 
And when those lepers came into the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. <laughs> and they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called into the port of the city, and they told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tents as they were. Now you get this image. You've got the, the absolute most impoverished state you can get right here. And right here, right beside them, is, is all the riches of the, of the Syrian kingdom. These are the, the officers have, are whining and dining and, and, and all the, everyone's doing fine. They've got money, they've got garments, they've got food, they've got horses, they, they've got everything they need. And, and right over there, they're starving. And so these lepers come back and say, there's no one there. They're all gone. And the king arose in the night and said to his servants, I will show you now what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore they are gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When we come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, there is all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Because, you know, when they're eating people, horses had no chance. They wasn't the only ones they had reserved. I'll tell you why they had kept them. That was for the king's getaway. So when the city was broken up, because this happened time to time, the king would hold a few horses for him to try to beat it out of there. That's why the only reason there were few five horses left. So he doesn't give all five, but he gives two. Let us send and see. They took therefore two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king, and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to gave charge of the gate, and the people trode upon him in the gate, and he died, and the man of God as the... Ma as the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. And so it, it continues that basically there was a, once the people realized that there was food there and provision, there was just a stampede and they all couldn't get out fast enough. And the king, that man who had been the doubter, right? The unbeliever, he was trodden on and he never, he never was able to taste. He just got to see it with his eyes. So... <clears throat> So, what a, what a contrast, right? What a story. And I think here in this text, I've see, I see a couple of things. And I'll, I'll, like I said, I don't know. There's a lot I just don't know. And I'll more or less ask you to think about that. Leprosy tends to, in the Old Testament, is, is synonymous with sin. <clears throat> right? You find that, find that over and over. Book of Leviticus. It's, it's, and, and this is why Christ healed the lepers, right? He was a... Leprosy was a terrible disease. It created this... this uh, they were ostracized. They were, they, were, they were put out. They had their own place. They had to leave. And they weren't allowed into the camp. 
And so we have a message here to the center, right? When the center recognizes one thing, that if I stay here, I'm going to die. Now that's, that's, that's worth coming to your senses about. When you get there, you can start taking some action. Then you can make some, you can make some provision. You can actually do something. And God starts to see that. And so the, what we're seeing is that to the lost, this is a message to the lost to say you, you can rise up and, and, and recognize that, that the, the, the thing that you were traveling after, like the, where the prodigal went, the famine was there. Like that was that turn, didn't turn out to be what you thought it was going to be, but the cross over here, the thing you've been trying to avoid that you've been so afraid of, actually has the provision that you are looking for all along. It's not here and it's not there, but it's here. And so, so, so this is the message to the lost that what you're seeking is actually not where you're looking for. But God has provided what you expect to be. Uh, 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 the, the end of your life, the, the, the surrender of your, you know, all things, is actually when you find, when you go through that process, you find that God begins to provide, that, that everything you needed, every, and it's a day of good tidings. It's, this is like, this is the best thing ever. And so, so what a message that is. What a beautiful thing. And when they got there, remember this, when they, when they, they were like, we got to tell somebody. <laughs> They couldn't, st- this is not good to hold this. And so we find ourselves there tonight, we, in a sense. We've got an obligation that the world is dying. And we have found these great riches, this treasure. And, and I understand it. I understand it's difficult. Like, I'm not saying it's always, I don't always know how to go about communicating that. But, but we've got to have that same sense of urgency that, that, We've got to tell. This is a good thing. This is a day of good tidings. What we're doing is not good. It's selfish if we just keep it to ourselves. And so there's plenty here. We can, you're not going to, it's not going to come off, it's no skin off of your back to share the gospel with somebody. You got, that just increases the kingdom in your own heart. It actually works the opposite of giving away something tangible. And so that is, uh, 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 such a message of hope, and this, this, and why these people had to go through this, and it was horrible, and they suffered immensely. But they're telling us something. God is showing us something. And then I see this application to our to the church. And I don't know how to work out all the details. I'll, I'll let y'all work them out in your own mind. It's, maybe it's obvious enough. But in recent, in the last few months, I've had a. Um, I've had the opportunity to have a number of conversations with people about a lot of people have talked to me about about Christ sanctified holy church and who we are and where we are and where we're going and I've been encouraged by the the passion and the um, a lot of people that have a concern about that and where our where our place is in in time and in the world and in the kingdom and if I could boil it all down, it, well, maybe it's like this. The liberals think we're too conservative, and the conservatives think we're too liberal. That's, it, I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting. <laughs> and so, however, 
they're going to have, these factions have very different ideas about how to get to where we're going. But one thing that's the same that everyone has told me, if we stay here, we die. If we sit still here, we die. And so, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not inserting my opinion because I don't know what, what the future holds. I don't know what, I don't have some clear uh, vision. But when I look in this text, okay, what is the city? Well, maybe that's, maybe that's, that's safety, that's security, that's what we've always done, that's the tradition. Maybe it's other churches, maybe it's the, uh, see what they're doing and apply that and maybe that'll work here. It's, it's something like that. It's something like the, the city was this old defense, the guard where they had always found safety and refuge, but what this is saying is the famine's there also. It's like... You're, you're concerned about children and posterity and, and the future. Everybody has the same concerns, right? You may have different ideas about getting there, but everybody is genuinely concerned about that. What, what comes next? What's after that? And certainly I do. And, and, but I, I, as I look into this text, I almost see that as... Well, it almost seems like the harder we try and the more we do for, for our young people, then the, the more, it's like the harder time you have of hanging on to them. Right. <clears throat> so the lepers turn to the Syrians. And maybe... I don't know, maybe. In the place of darkness, where we expect rejection and defeat, where we've never been, the lost, I mean the, where there's no gospel, where there's no tradition, where there's no nothing, where they don't have any of this stuff, where there is no city, there's no security, it's the enemy. And in the camp of the enemy, maybe, We find the provision to save the city. I don't know, but I'm asking God to help. That gives me hope. We've got hope. We've got hope. We don't have to worry, but we do have to preach the gospel. And we have to recognize that God can perform miracles and that there are people who are hardened and and know nothing about the gospel they don't know and they're the ones that need it the most right may we be faithful pray for me